the NWE back into the spotlight. I was thinking that it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance. What is up, everybody? This is the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com. That's your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance. Uh, Unfortunately, our good pal Kevin won't be joining us, uh, maybe for a little while. He's uh, recovering from from, uh, some medical issues. I don't want to, I know he posted on social media, but I don't really want to put it out there. If you guys follow Kevin, you know what happened. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about it. Uh, but joining us is the third man in the chair tonight. Uh, he is one of the original Alliance guys. He is also uh, a good friend of our other friend, Dr. Lawrence Arconium, and that would be Jaden from Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators. Jaden, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I'm sure it's your pleasure to have me once again. And of course, as always, we have the reigning and defending NWA television champion, DKM. DK, welcome to the show, buddy. Television champion? All right. I meant to call you junior heavyweight champion, and I said television. See, when the TV title was behind me, and it just caught my eye and messed me up. That's what happens when you think the red belt's better looking than the black belt. Well, shut your mouth. You know it is. I know nothing about that. Jaden, it's okay to be wrong. We still love and accept you. Of course it's okay to be wrong. That's how I've been friends with you guys for years. (laughs) I ain't right, that's for sure. We ain't wrong. You're right. You ain't right. (laughs) (laughs) You are right, but you ain't right. I ain't right. We got our, our pals are here lining up in the chat. Terry McDermott's here. Welcome. James H. Jackson, better known as our buddy James. Willie Bowen's in the house. Everyone, uh, again, thank you guys for uh, being a part of the show. Uh, again, we're going to get to your comments, your your uh, questions, your quips, your uh, critiques of the show. But uh, first, we're going to run down real quick the NWA Hard Times 2 because uh, as my good pal Devin pointed out here, if we don't talk about Hard Times 2, uh, when we talk about this TV show, there things just don't seem to add up 100% correctly. That so, sounds like the NWA's booking. I mean, you said it. Um, of course, uh, you know, Jaden, I know that uh, you occasionally get to uh, check out some of the NWA programming. Were you able to watch Hard Times 2 or did you miss that one? I missed that one. Um, I have a lot of business going on, especially with Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators, working with Dr. Zirconium, and seems to take out most of my focus with wrestling. Plus, um, I'm learning a few extra business techniques to help make dog better. So that also takes up a lot of my time. Well, the reason why I ask is because some of your former um, guys that have wrestled for you were actually on that card, like uh, Rhett Titus, who... uh, was part of the junior heavyweight uh, qualifying tournament. And uh, uh, Rhett Titus wrestled against Austin Aries 
And it was a really solid match. And I, I really felt like that was a good way to start the junior heavyweight division. I was very fast paced. And if that's a sign of what's to come for the National Wrestling Alliance in that junior heavyweight division, I think that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, DK, did you want to talk about that match? Well, yeah, that's that's actually one of the matches I've heard talk about. A couple on there I hope we forget about. But uh, I won't forget about that for sure. No, it was a good <laughs> match. It was actually the second part of the junior heavyweight title uh, mess Qual- that they're doing. Qualifier, right? And so yeah. it, it's really, this is like proof that the NWA would take every booking idea that's out there and throw it together. So this is my current understanding. And if anyone knows that what I'm saying isn't correct, I feel more than free to correct me. But my current understanding is the final at the next pay-per-view, which hasn't been announced yet officially, is going to be a fatal four-way because you know how much I love multi-man matches. And so two members of the fatal four-way were decided at this pay-per-view. The first was Homicide, who won the gauntlet, uh, last eliminating uh, Ricky's boy, Carrie, Carrie Morton. Carrie Morton, yeah. And, uh, I mean, for a gauntlet match or a Royal Rumble, or wasn't a true gauntlet, but, you know, a Royal Rumble-type match, it was okay. Nothing special. Uh, of course, one of the people they were really pushing for it uh, what was it, Darius Lockhart? Was that name, Jay? Yeah, Darius Lockhart. Uh, was injured, not able to compete, so we got Ricky Morton, which, you know, gave me the cold shutters that he might win. <laughs> but, you know, but apparently they stuck with whatever their original plan was there, uh, Homicide won. Now, I originally would have told you Homicide had a low chance of winning this, but once I found out how they were doing the finals like okay sure I can see that now and so hey, you know the gauntlet was bad I, I enjoyed watching uh, PJ Hawk wrestle and even Luke Hawk PJ I know PJ is like Jay's favorite person on the entire planet in the junior heavyweight division currently yeah right now and, uh, if Barrett Brown know, was around oops. Well, he needs to grow a beard. That's about the only thing I would say for him. Not uh, Barrett, but uh, PJ. And uh, outside of that, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of skill and a lot of talent. And, you know, he's being trained by a pretty talented guy there and his father. So uh, no more jumping off third-story balconies and balls. But, you know, focus on the wrestling and he would be a good guy. Didn't quite make it. And I thought Homicide's a good choice. He has name value. He's been around. He's done lots. Uh, Held, I think. Didn't he hold the NWA tag team title? Yeah, at one point. With Hernandez. 
They were the LAX. Yeah. Hernandez, right. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I blocked that out. I'm sorry. You, because, you were correct. Because they held it kind of at times and continued LAX in different forms continued after that and held lots of impact titles. I was never really sure, but I thought they held the NWA version of the yeah, they, they in fact they're actually two-time champions. They held it uh, uh, in August to September of two thousand six, and again in two thousand seven. Um, during that time, he was also an X division champion. Well, I guess that was a few years later, but uh, yeah, IWA Puerto Rico champion. Um, really, that's the only other promotion that was closely associated with the NWA at the time. But don't forget, both him and Austin Aries are former Ring of Honor champions. This is true. Yeah, that is right. I actually forgot about Ring of Honor. So, uh, right. So he's he's a good choice for name value to get in there and get in the finals. And then another good choice for name value. I don't know if he's a good choice <laughs> because of some of the issues that he supposedly causes in locker rooms. But Austin Aries, of course. Can I say something about Austin Aries? Yeah, please do. I've always said it. Austin Aries it can make any company he works for. A million dollars still doesn't mean he's worth using because he's so incredibly talented and so just damn good in the ring. But having to deal with him, it's just probably not worth it. I actually told Rhett to hit him with a uh, turn up and maybe he would have won that match. But... <laughs> a turn up? Yeah, apparently uh, Austin likes to eat raw turn ups. Huh. All right. I think, he, turn him up. I think he and Brian Daniels are on the vegan train. Well, I, I know he was a, a, a vegan. I do know that. And I, I know he, a few years ago he was very pro-banana and the benefits of eating bananas. Um, but uh, I didn't know about the turnip stuff. Yeah, well. But anyway, he and Titus had a good match, but I, I have one and a half complaints about it. It was short, which is going to be my half complaint, and very abrupt when it ended. Yeah, I was like really getting into it. It's like what? It's over. I have and of a course feeling they did have was, way too many matches. But... I have a feeling because I was talking to Red about it. I I have a feeling that they were given a certain amount of time and then told during the match that to cut it short. So I have a feeling that kind of happened. Probably something had went long or something else was going on. Cause um it did I actually watched that match and because I was telling Red about it. And again, it well, I'm not sure, but it seems like it was implied that it was kind of cut off before they even really got started. It certainly looked that way as it as it went, because it was like starting to get going and then ended. Now I, I want to get your guys' opinion on this. Because to me, an ideal show is three hours. And this one was three hours plus a one-hour uh, pre-show in which they had wrestling the entire time, basically. And so it turned out to be a four-hour show. And, you know, I, I'm old. I get tired. So, you know, by the time we're getting to the end there, I'm going, what? There's still more? <laughs> So, uh, what are your thoughts on show length? Two hours, 45 minutes. I mean, 
you you certainly don't want to leave your uh your audience like worn out uh, in my opinion um i've been to a, a couple of marathon wrestling shows tv tapings and you could tell by the end of the show that people are just they don't even care anymore you don't want to get to that point but i think also like um you know some of the the people that were there in atlanta spent a lot of money to be at that pay-per-view and i would just thinking in that perspective i would hate to spend you know 100 bucks to be there and then you know only have a two-hour show so i mean i, I think four hours is long i think Jaden and udk are right that two hour 45 minutes three hour mark is probably that magic school bus number but uh yeah i mean i i kind of agree with both of you guys that sounds about right okay so what's the next <laughs> Uh, do we want to talk about the catastrophe that was the women's tag team title and the cash in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we we'll get it's to relevant it. to the it's relevant to the show, the later show. So we get um, uh, obviously it was supposed to be uh, by at, by any means necessary. Tootie Lynn Ramsey and uh, and uh, Kylie Ray were supposed to team up to face Team Hex. Uh, obviously, with uh, what happened with Kylie Ray and her struggles with her mental health. And she's very public about that, very transparent about that. She uh, took some time off from wrestling, including the NWA. So when she came back, uh, they they added her and Tootie Lynn to the tag team match that was supposed to feature Lady Frost and uh, the Shine Champion, uh, which is, um, oh, help me out here, uh, Natalia Markova. And uh, so that was supposed to be the match. It was supposed to be a three-way match. Well, um, a few days before the show, uh, Lady Frost had to bail out because she also was under the weather, wouldn't be able to make the event. So they replaced her with uh, Miss Miss Cara, I think it was. Or wait, no, not Miss Cara. Um, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to get the name wrong. Miss uh, Kate. Miss Kate. M-I-S-S-A-Kate. Um, yeah. And then, so they brought her in to fill in for Lady Frost. And she did a, a pretty good job. But then they also, uh, because of the championship series from a couple weeks, a uh, couple months ago, uh, on the uh, NWA Power, uh, Genocide had an opportunity to cash in her opportunity to challenge for a championship instead of going after Camille, her and Paola Blaze uh, under the tutelage of of uh, Taryn Terrell, in, included themselves into this uh, three way match to make it a four way match, um, and it was just all kinds of chaos. It almost seemed more like a tornado tag team match than an actual uh, four, four team tag team match. It was just, uh, it was kind of all over the place. Um, I mean, I think some of the best parts of it were when Allison K and genocide were in the ring together and they were kind of mirroring each other's move set by doing a lot of power type moves. But outside of that, it, it was, it was kind of a train wreck. DK, what did, what did you want to add to that? Well, I think you nailed it pretty much. It was a train wreck. I think it's also proof that the NWA has yet to seriously take the women's tag team division. We've talked about in the past how it seems very obvious that they created the tag team title without necessarily having plans for it. It's probably a 20-year so plan. If I have 20 years from now, they don't have the... Did you hear me? Good point, Jaden. I'm sorry. I, I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty years ago, I, I, I didn't think of it up. like that. I didn't think about that. But uh, 
but obviously they're not doing anything to be building up challengers for the title. And do you, uh, do you think the match would have been better off if it just was Tootie Lynn and Kylie Ray, and they just left it at that and did yeah. something? You know, once Ice uh, uh, Lady Frost was uh, announced that she wouldn't be able to participate. Uh, maybe bump uh, Natalia Morkova from the match and put her into something else, maybe on the pre-show. Put her against uh, Genocide. If you're going to say insistent to use Genocide, Lady Frost versus Genocide. Or if you're insistent on doing some oh. kind of four-corner, four-way women's match, do a four-corners elimination match. It'll take forever. At least two people are, can be in the ring at the same time, and they can have eliminations and not be a big old cluster fudge. Yeah, because that's that's exactly what it came to. Um, and anyone watching, I mean, I don't think we're reporting news here. Uh, it just wasn't really solid. And and I know that Allison Kay and uh, Marty Bell have done some pretty interesting things outside of the NWA recently, defending the titles in uh, Ring of Honor. Um, I think they're set to uh, defend the titles for Shine or Shimmer. I'm not sure which one. So it's not like they haven't done some good things as champions. It's just so far in the NWA, it doesn't feel like that's been uh, a very strong uh, point for the NWA, at least currently. They've done better outside the NWA than the NWA has done for them. This is true. But just to answer your question in general, it's always better having one-on-one type matches. They're always better. They're always more entertaining. Uh, people don't even understand, you know, why there was a three-way to begin with, how it came about, and everything. I'm not going to get into the history, but, you know, three-way, four-way, six-pack challenges, whatever they want to call them, you know, they're not really that good when you really look at it. It's more just... They don't make sense. We did have one of those moments in this match where everybody had to gather together, stare at the girl climbing the ropes, and I mean, they were literally staring at her, literally staring yeah, at I know, her. I know exactly what you're talking about. And watching did she her climb. Booty? What? Did she at least have a cute booty? If you're gonna have something to stare about, at least. Well, no, because they were staring at her front, so hopefully her chest was well. I don't even remember who it was. That's that's how much it registered to me. I don't remember who it was that was climbing. So she gets up there, they watch her, and then they wait for her. And I'm not even sure. Didn't she only like get part of them? But you know, well, they all have to fall. She connected all right. Did she connect all right? Was it Marty? Oh, well, there you know. Marty. There's your answer. Uh, Jaden, do you like so her? Is, yes. <laughs> so anyway. Yes, they just didn't show that part. Right, exactly. And so, and she shows plenty of it. So, uh, obviously, I hate that bullcrap right there. And I think that's all we have to say about that match. One and, thing I've learned from Dr. Zirconium, I'm sorry to cut you off, DK. If, and it kind of, you know what? Same thing I learned from Jim Cornette in a way. If if they just did a women's match and those other four women or six women or whatever weren't on the card, was that going to make a make or break this pay per view and sell or more people, or is it just another way to spend more money? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
It was another way to spend more money. It was another way to put more faces on the roster. And I don't know that that was really necessary. Like, honestly, I felt like that might've been a misstep. I think, um, you know, we, we, we already said it, it muddied up the waters. I don't think that that did enough to make it uh, valuable. Has anybody be beaten down the door and rioting because uh, genocide and the other ones weren't on the card? No. No. If anything, take Lady Frost, team her up with, uh, or wh- whoever was there, I forget now, team her up with Tootie Lynn and just do it that way. That would have worked. Well, Lady Frost was the one that was sick. All right, whoever was the two that were there, just team them both together. Make an odd couple tag team. If they're already throwing a tag teams together anyway, then what's the well, big we difference? Had that, we had that at uh, by any means necessary. Any means necessary, yeah. So, so they have done that. So, but talk about things that a brother they certainly didn't need and certainly didn't matter. And I hate to say this because of the wrong people involved, but they have Mims versus Jack's name. And again, this is relevant to the show that's coming up. And let let's pre- preface this by saying that uh, Kevin, DK, and I have mostly been positive on Mims. Um, his look has gotten better. He keeps getting better in the ring. Um, he, this is the guy that opened Power one of the, on the very first episode. Um, his look has gotten better. His in ring has gotten better. Everything about this guy is, has improved since the first episode. But you put him in the ring with Jack Stane. And by God, how does this match not just an instant squash for Jax? It just doesn't make sense to me. Did I steal your thunder? Yeah, of course. No, I was going to say, of course, you know, we have to muddy things. So the former Crimson's out there, and I guess he's going by his actual name now. Anthony Mayweather. So he's out there. It doesn't really cause a distraction, but kind of causes a distraction, I guess. And so a Mims wins. So, okay. Yeah. So Mims gets a victory over a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, NWA North American Heavyweight Champion, NWA National Heavyweight Champion, NWA World Tag Team Champion. Uh, ne- ne- never held the junior heavyweight title, as we can see by his size. Or the TV title, as he told us in the interview. Or the TV title. So he still he still has at least one he can chase here. Well, they could also win the women's title or the other seventy four championships that they have in this company. <laughs> so, yeah, so anyway, and I could have been okay with this match and the outcome if what happened on the show hadn't happened. Yeah, and so we'll talk about that when we get to that spot. So. Is there anything that you want to talk about what is really important related to the show outside of the uh, world, the ending to the world title match? Well, um, I, I think just a real quick, a few things we'll touch on is, you know, the uh, NWA featured the Ring of Honor World Tag Team match with the OGK, the original kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, taking on former NWA World Tag Team champion Steven Zakratos. And the thing that happened in this match is uh, – we saw a regression from the baby face Aaron Stevens that's been out there kissing babies, shaking hands, putting people over. 
and he got a lot more aggressive, a lot more violent. It was more akin to the Aaron Stevens that we saw uh, wrestling against uh, uh, Trevor Murdoch for that national championship. And the amount of uh, just just the aggressiveness was a, a, a stark difference to what we had seen just even a week before. So that was interesting in and of itself because we got uh, a new development with Aaron Stevens that uh, rolled over onto television. Um, and then we got, uh, so I wanted to mention that um, Colby Carino was able to score a very, um, a very big victory over Doug Williams. And I think that needs to be noted because as much as they've been putting over Doug Williams, not only on social media, but the fact that they, you know, the whole uh, title, the ambassador of British pro wrestling and the fact that he's now teaming with the former world's heavyweight champion and Nick Aldis with Colby Carino getting that, securing that victory. That says a lot to me as a viewer that they really do buy in to Colby Carino. And I think that they plan on putting a lot more into Colby's court, if you will. Um, So, and not only did he get that win, but that also parlays into uh, the first episode of Power. Um, and then I think the last thing that it has some relevance is that um, the the Tyrus and Scion match for the uh, TV television title. And that was a notice qualification match where all, you know, no no holds barred, no, no uh, notice qualification. So um, the match was the most violent we've seen out of Scion. Uh, obviously the Austin idol management, whatever they're called, uh, with black G's and Jordan Clearwater got involved. Um, and again, that kind of sets up a, a more, um, impassioned scion that we see on NWA power. But outside of that, I think that's pretty much it. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? Uh, Mr. DK? Uh, well, just hitting real quick. Uh, of course, Law Rebellion beat the end and then out came JTG and oh, I guess right. Dirty, Dirty Dango is what they're calling him because you know, stupid names stupid names are what we're all about. Why and can't then, he do uh, like Steve? Hey, this is Steve, everybody. You know what I mean? Like, why does he got to have a dumb name? I think all the Steves are uh, stuck on Blues Coos right now. <laughs> Maybe. And bald. But, uh, you know, seriously, I, even if you don't want to go by Steve, pick a real I, I mean, I know why they do it. Same reason uh, Buddy Murphy becomes Buddy Matthews. I want to say it's close to the name that they got big on, but, you know, truth is, nobody cares. Uh, Nicholas versus Tom Latimer. I think it's relevant in this sense. In that it was a build as this grudge match, big, horrible thing. And at one point in the actual match at the beginning, you know, Latimer's like, I can out wrestle you. What? I don't care. I'm not watching this match to see guys out wrestle each other. I'm watching this match to see blood. Yeah. And that, that was like my big disappointment. I didn't expect. Tyrus and Sion to be good, and I wasn't disappointed. And see, there's uh, Tom Latimer right now. He's going to call you about your opinion there, DK. <laughs> you done messed up now. 
And apparently I did. And, uh, you know, I didn't expect the women's tag team BS to be good. And I wasn't disappointed there either. I was surprised by Colby Cremo winning. Uh, if we're talking about what surprised us, uh, I think um, I've been very critical on this podcast of Melina. As much as I, I, I think she in the past has been a very talented wrestler, um, she just really hadn't had the mileage or maybe had too much mileage, I should say, because, you know, it seemed like the injuries, the nagging injuries kept getting to her. And every time they started getting that ball rolling with Melina, something else would happen. Now, she had a pretty good match with Deanna Perrazzo at the uh, 73rd anniversary show, but I really feel like uh, I, I really feel like she stepped up in this match against Camille. And when Camille has been so dominant and so good, she got a really good match out of Molina, which again, that's shocking to me. And I'm not trying to put them down, but I just, I really didn't feel like Molina was that person, but she stepped it up big time. And I, I, you know, tip, tip, tip my hat to her because I, I really felt like she put on a pretty good match with Camille. And then uh, I will say, and I'll, I'll, well, let me talk about this first and I'll circle back around. Uh, Trevor Murdoch versus Mike Knox. That was about what I expected it to be. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to say NWA, anybody that's out there listening or anybody that knows them is listening and stuff like that. Be careful with how you're booking Murdoch the second time at a major show you left him lying. Your champion is looking weak and you're doing it on purpose. Yeah, people saying they won't challenge him so that he can have his run. And then you have people coming in at the end of major events and leaving him lying. This isn't good. No, you're, you bring up a great point. Um, and so, knock it. So, from me to Billy, knock it off. Start booking Trevor as a, you know, world champion. He doesn't have to dress in the suit and tie, but he does need to be the baddest MF on the planet. And so you're not doing that. You're making it almost like he's lucky to have his title every time he's there. And so there are two issues with this show that I want to talk to you guys about. Even if you didn't see it, Jaden, I think we'll have some good insight into it. First, because of COVID restrictions, and I guess it being a government building or whatever, they were limited to like 90 people. And small crowd. And I didn't fully understand that because the 90 people were all together. So it's not like they had to be spread out. So, but small crowd, small reactions. It never gave a feeling of being a big show. That's going to be my my first comment my second comment was man there seemed to be a lot of heel versus heel type matches on this show which are one of the worst things you can do because you know face versus face you can kind of get into at least one of them or not both of them and cure the excitement and you know who cared who won between tyrus and Zion? I mean, Sion kind of became a default face at the end because he tried hard and uh, everybody hates Tyrus. And uh, <laughs> going back, but I mean, like Chris Adonis versus Judas, 
Oh my gosh. I want to take a nap. And so, and, uh, I don't know. I felt even like Melina was having, doing heel tactics and, you know, technically Camille's the heel, even though the fans kind of like her anyway. So, I mean, small crowd matches that didn't give you anybody to really support and root for and love. I don't know. Jaden, I want your opinion first because you can give an opinion just based off wrestling psychology and without necessarily being specific to the matches. Heel versus heel generally doesn't win. Every once in a great while, if you throw two people that two people hate, um, the Freebirds versus the Devastation Incorporated in Texas, they, the fans hated the Freebirds, but they wanted to love them. So against Devastation Incorporated, they cheered them. And they were the baby faces in that one match. And they wrestled as kind of as baby faces in that one match. But generally doesn't work because people really don't have anybody's support. In reality, they just kind of want each other to kill each other, but it still doesn't give you that that emotional connection to them. It's more of a, you know, a car crash just waiting for somebody to die instead of giving somebody that you want to support and give attention to and give your uh, affection for it. You just don't have that. So that's one thing. Small crowds doesn't mean anything. I've been in small crowds where... 90 people sounds like 900 people. The problem is they gave them nothing to support. I mean, there was like two or three heel versus heel matches, the, the uns, insane booking, the uh, multi-cluster fudges. Am I allowed to curse here? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cluster fucks. Um, they, it's just, it hurts everything. And it's psychology. You have to build into it. Your first match is to build your second matches to build your third matches to build how you put matches together and what order you put them together to how you booking isn't just oh i want this guy versus this guy that's matchmaking and a lot of people could be matchmaking they just could make crappy matches uh booking is building up a roller coaster building up an, an emotional and psychological and even excitement roller coaster of ups and downs and twists and turns to really build up. So when you really hit that big crescendo in the main event, they're all ready to explode. And that's something um, the NWA is a little lackadaisical in, and I'm tr- really trying to be nice, but it's really hard for me because I'm an asshole. <laughs> One of the things that I think that hurt the pay-per-view is that sometimes the NWA, specifically Billy, has a way of booking things where they have to put themselves in a corner. And I really feel like that's unfortunate because, you know, at the last pay-per-view, the 73rd anniversary pay-per-view, um, they established that uh, Judeus would would be the guy to challenge Chris Adonis for that title. But then over the next few weeks of television, few months of television, they did nothing to elevate Chris Adonis as the national champion. They did nothing to elevate Judas as the challenger for that title. And so when the match happened on the pay-per-view where it was a heel versus heel, there was no reason for anyone to be invested in that match. They, you gave us no reason to care because Adonis, who looks like a million bucks and is a really 
he's a pretty good wrestler. I'm not going to say he's the best wrestler on the planet. I don't want to lie to you guys, but he's really improved since his days in the WWE. The fact of the matter is, he just isn't interesting. And it's not because he's doing something wrong. It's that they've done nothing to make him interesting. They haven't put him in a storyline that's compelling. They haven't put him in a position where he's struggled or overcome adversity or or anything. He's just exists and he exists with a title that he's only defended now two times. He just is. It's not, I'm not invested in him or the championship. And then you have Judas who they, they brought in who, okay, he won a battle Royal to get that shot to get that opportunity. But then he sat there and, and got his ass kicked by James storm on free TV. Well, five ninety or four ninety nine for the uh, uh, subscription to fight. And then had another match where um, it was a no contest. So there's no, again, Judeus did nothing. He beat Sal Renaro. That's what Judeus did in the time between winning the Battle Royal and getting to Chris Adonis. He beat Sal Renaro and got his butt kicked by James Storm one and a half times. There's no reason to care. And then you're going to put that match on the pay-per-view. Who cares? I I'm much rather. Go ahead. I don't even watch this, but just listening to what you said, I immediately want to see James Storm versus uh, Adonis. Yeah, just based on that little bit you said, James right. Storm is way more dynamic. He's much more personable. Um, I, I, I don't like AEW, but I've always wanted to see James Storm team up with uh, who's their champion again? Um, Adam Page. Adam, Adam Page. Page. Yeah, I think James Storm and Adam Page would have could have been something. And uh, James Storm's got pop. I remember when he was the weak link of America's Most Wanted. Who would have hell would have thought all these years later, and nobody will ever be talking about Wildcat Chris Harris. They're talking about how great James Storm is. He, he yes, he's a little older now. His gimmick's a little more worn out. But I think right now there's still some mileage in James Storm, and that's a match I'd care about. Former champion. Yeah, and, and, and I, I mean they did that at the 73rd, and that's why I don't think they wanted to run it out there again. But. It, you know, it, that would have made a lot more sense than Judeus. Um, and, and again, had they built Judeus up during the booking, had they they done something to make Adonis more offensive or, or less offensive or something, uh, but it, it, he's bland. There's no flavor there. It's just uh, a big guy with muscles and a championship, but nothing is really like overwhelmingly good or bad. He just exists. And I think that's the problem. Um, DK is a big boxing fan like I am. And in boxing, if they're building up a challenger, they put him against a lot of people that potentially get wins. And they get hopefully one big fight where two people are built up to get two w- a win, and then that person faces the champion. And I know boxing has the advantage of being a predetermined sport, not like pro wrestling, but that's how they should be doing it. If If the champion, if he's the national champion – they have to make him so he has to beat somebody even if it's non-title matches he has to beat somebody he's not the world's champion so he could be on free tv or 499 tv um if and then judas or whatever whoever they're building up he needs to beat somebody until he's at the point where a battle royal out of a new guy just brand new a battle royal is not the way to get a number one contender contenders are really classified by uh by winning matches and beating other contenders and to the point where you get that championship opportunity, you get a bunch of wins on your belt, you get a lot of momentum. That's how you build a champion. It's not really rocket science. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. You know why? Because the wheel still works. 
just do what's the right thing to do. Build up a champion, make a match people want to see, make them want to see the match you're giving them, and give them an outcome that they are happy with. It's so simple. You know, Jay and I actually had a conversation very similar off off camera one time. Maybe we even talked about it on camera. I can't remember, but we've talked about it a couple times. And we were using that philosophy when it came to the women's tag team title. Man, you got however many weeks of TV that you have. Why don't you put together a women's tag team like Lady Frost and Markova or whatever? And then here's the new tag team. You put them on the air every other every other week, beating some combinations. Maybe you have another tag team out there that's also doing well, whether it be genocide and all over. You know, Kylie Ray and Tootie Lynn, which, by the way, they obviously do not care about Tootie Lynn one way or the other. They they built her up like the greatest thing since sliced bread to get the St. Louis crowd, and she's not won anything, I think. No. And uh, which is another problem. That, you know, I'm not going to care about people that you talk about now if you keep bringing people in, uh, jogging them out, Lady Frost and and things like that but uh anyhow but you know that's a e that's a simple easy thing to do you take you take one or two teams you build them up towards the end they face each other for a chance at the champions so now you got this good team the champion heck doesn't have to be out there to do anything more than talk mm-hmm. and wrestle one or two matches against you know some jobber tag teams it's these. Uh, I want to. I want to believe that Frost and Markova or who or Lynn Ray or whoever have a chance of winning the titles. Yeah. And that's what we don't. That's what we don't have. One last. One last question about this pay per view. Lots and lots and lots of title matches. Not a single title change. Does that matter? Yes and no. Uh, here's it. If the Non-title, if the change is not happening, makes sense and are built up and it's a good match and it makes sense, it can get away with it. There were many, many, many times pay-per-views in the old days, big cards, didn't have a championship match. I mean, didn't have a championship change. It does happen. And there's times in boxing. UFC, I remember there was a time period where I think they went an entire year without anybody any championship changing hands. And yes, it was a time period where the championship wasn't defended as much, but it does happen. Boxing champions can go years and years without ever losing a title. And of course, boxing does have the advantage like the NWA of having 211 of them, but uh, it, it doesn't have to, but if, and if it doesn't make sense to not have a championship change, then at least should be one. And that one would be special. You have 112 championships. If I mean, there's as many championships as the old NWA Women's Championship was made out of metal and all the pounds of metal. Um, but since you did have so many, nobody really cares anyway. Maybe one could stand out and be something special just by default. And I, I, I really feel like, um, you know, had Adonis lost the title, I don't know that we'd be boohooing um, if they did a change with Tyrus if La Rebellion lost the titles. Um, but but again, they, they didn't do any of that. And so 
Uh, well, the one that would have made the most. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead because I like what you're about to say. Uh, the one that would have made the most sense for me, kind of because of how they're building it here elsewise, is I would have put Scion over Tyrus at the, you know, had the interference backfire or something like that. Because I still don't know if Scion's supposed to be a heel, if he's supposed to be a face, if he's, or if I'm supposed to care about him or not, you know. And I feel like if he had managed to come back, defied the odds, and got a victory, that could have elevated him in a way that, uh, you know, maybe people would have gotten interested in. Would have elevated the TV title, too, in my opinion. Hey, so what's going on? In th- Go on. Say that uh, just thought whenever you're done with your comment, we should figure out what's going on in the chat because I haven't been keeping up. <laughs> I've been trying to post their comments in the screen here. Um, one thing I'd say is I actually uh, disagree, and I think the tag titles would have been better suited to change hands only because you could have done another tag team title match on the TV tapings, and the and La Rebellion could have got the titles back. And I know, like, hey, you don't want a hot shot titles, but the end have been there for a while, and it's like if you're not going to use the end in that tag team picture because they've lost to Kratos and Stevens, they've lost to the end, They've lost uh, some. They lost. They're so bad. They lost themselves. Excuse me. <laughs> they lost. Uh, they lost a lot of rebellion. They lost to Kratos and Stevens. Um, I just don't see where you can go with them at this point. At, at this point, they they they're the team that can get to the show, but but can't you know pull the trigger. So at this point, I don't see them having much value now as a tag team because they. Again, whenever the big prize is on the line, they can't get it done, and that that's also including their losses to Jack Stain and um, and uh, Anthony Mayweather earlier in the season. So, the end that I've ever seen in the NWA is not the end I've saw in all Japan pro wrestling. No, I was not. a fan of them. They don't seem to wrestle the same. They don't seem to. They were they were like the Road Warriors over in all Japan pro wrestling, you know, and um, especially. Odinson, that guy's money. How do they not see it? They I, are. They've just been neutered, and they're they, maybe they need to go away and learn a new hold and come back and and then do, start dominating. Send them away I, for a while because the booking has just made them has made them impotent. Yeah, and I think Paro is the one that's holding them back. And I hate to say it because I genuinely like Paro. I've actually spoken to him face to face, man to man. He's a good dude, um, but sometimes watching him in the ring, it's it's been hard. And I know he was more agile, more mobile when he was in All Japan. I don't know if there's an injury. I don't know if it's just uh, conditioning, but he's not the same guy. Like you said, Odinson seems to be the exact same person who I've seen in All Japan, who I've seen in uh, Evolve, who I have saw in FIP, um, but Paro seems to have kind of stepped back and it's disappointing because I think they could be a very dominant tag team and they should be a very dominant tag team and they just aren't. When Ottozen came in, one of the first things Kevin and I said was, boy, we'd be more interested in him as a solo wrestler than Paro. As Paro seems to be the solo wrestler and then the tag team part, you know, and Ottozen then seems to be his tag team partner when they need to be a team. And I have nothing against Paro. And I you know, really, I don't hold the way anybody wrestles in the NWA against them that much anymore. 
because look at Jordan Clearwater. You put him on a New Japan New Japan Strong show out in California. You put him in a United Wrestling Network show. Man, they present him like he's special, like he's, you know, the next big thing. And NWA used him as a comedy guy. Yeah. I, I can't figure that I can't figure that out for the life of me. And the the NWA up until now, we'll have to see how they start using some of these other guys that are coming in. But basically, they have their big four or big five, the ones that you know are probably actually under contract, you know, real contracts. Right. And so wrestling kind of revolves around them, and then everybody else is just kind of like a goof. And I don't see how they think that's going to get their brand over when you present your wrestlers goofs. I mean, again, we have that in WWE. We have that in AEW if your name's not Punk or Danielson. I mean... So what about the show, Jack? (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, well, I mean, that's the pay-per-view. But let's uh, let's translate into the TV show because, as hard as I think we are have been about the pay per view, the, the TV show was actually pretty good. And I think for the first time in a while, we got a lot of wrestling to kick off the show. We got a lot of action, and I feel like this was more of a return to the norm of what NWA was when when Power first kicked off on YouTube. Uh, a lot of the magic that was created was a good mix, a good dichotomy of wrestling and promos. And they, they managed to have this good mix that uh, never really felt forced or rushed in the early season. And in the last few seasons, it kind of got to a point where it was at some parts almost unwatchable, but this, I really felt good about this episode. So we'll kick it off. This is season seven, uh, episode one of NWA power. And we, this wasn't just another 50 minute show. It actually went a full hour and and plus hour and seven minutes. And the show kicks off with a recap of Matt Cordona's um, introduction to the NWA during hard times where he entered the, the arena after the match kind of checked on Trevor Murdoch while, you know, eyeing the 10 pounds of gold. And then when uh, the Pope was sent out by Mick Foley, uh, helped put the Pope into the uh, steel steps, sent Pope to the hospital that night. Um, So that's how the show started off. So you know that they were going right from the pay-per-view to this TV show, that there was no uh, stall in there. Um, We had Galley, Joe Galley, Tim Storm, and Velvet Sky in the commentary booth, which that could be a chore sometimes. Uh, And then we got the first match right off the bat, Colby Carino and the Fixers, which is uh, uh, Wrecking Ball, uh, what's his name? Wrecking Ball. Ligurski. Ligurski, thank you. And uh, Jay Bradley taking on the OGK and Victor Benjamin. Now, Victor Benjamin, uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, he was a part of the junior heavyweight um, uh, gauntlet match and uh, really kind of a good outing for him. Um, and I, I, as I'm watching this match, I kind of had this warm feeling inside because it made me think of our good friend, Rob Allison, who was uh, a part of the NWA, NWA on fire um, staff. He was part of that team. And I think it would have made him happy. It had given him the warm and fuzzies to see Matt Taven 
uh, who was a product, who was a part of the NWA Empire all those years ago, showing up in the NWA today, representing Ring of Honor of all things. Um, the match itself was very fast paced. It was very competitive, and outside of a few spots with the with uh, the fixers where they kind of made them look like stooges, uh, it was a pretty good match. Uh, and the finish came when Carino hit that sunsetter on Victor Benjamin. But again, I think that was a good introduction for Benjamin uh, to the NWA power audience. They got to see a lot of what he could do in the ring. We got to see a lot of uh, good tag team from uh, Taven and uh, Bennett. And again, I I thought the fixers looked good in their role too. Uh, DK, what were your thoughts? Uh, Overall, I enjoyed the match. Two small nitpicks. One, when I saw who the teams were, I kind of knew who, who was getting pinned and who was doing the pinning. And that, that's just a small one. But the one thing I did notice is how small Colby Carino is. Yeah, that's true. And they obviously, I mean, look, Jack's name talked great about him, and I love Jack's, and I know what's his name, uh, all this has talked really good about him. But there are some credibility issues. I I am not as impressed as those two are just based on what I watch. But you know, man, he is small, small, and it's one of those you got to be careful. His win over Doug Williams didn't look quite right, and even his win here, where he's winning pretty cleanly. But there's something about it that just, I don't know that I can believe him as a, as a, just a top guy who's going to beat bigger people, even though Benjamin's not that big, but compared to Colby, he is. And he's a former but, MMA fighter, too, for uh, yeah, Galley made that well known. He was undefeated in mixed martial arts. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I think that lends more credence to uh, just how good the fixers are by putting their hurt on, on the, on uh, uh, Victor Benjamin, the savage gentleman. I think they, they kind of played the role correctly. And although Colby Carino got the victory, I think they did it in a way where the, the sneaky little hill got the victory. And I think that's kind of how you want to book Colby at this point. Well, I don't want to book Colby, but, I guess if you're going to book Colby, then uh, yeah. But I mean, overall, the match was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, got to see some big men. Got to see some talented smaller men in Taven and Bennett, who, by the way, would be great for the junior heavyweight division, both of them. And so, uh, yeah, let's let's see what's going on. Let's see what's going to happen. And it was. It was enough to keep me interested in the show and get going. I didn't have any major complaints. May I uh, interject something in here? 100%. Uh, I think this is another um, case of the NWA not bringing somebody to their full potential. I've seen Colby have some good matches. And you know what? If Since he's the manager, the sneaky small guy um, kind of makes sense, especially if Everybody else is doing the work for him. And while I don't know Wrecking Ball Ligurski as much as I know uh, Jay Bradley, who I'm a big fan of, um, 
Jay Bradley's really, really good too. So I could see that working. I just, again, I have a feeling, um, I have a feeling that it's just the NWA not knowing how to get the most out of what they have there. And I'm not sure, but I believe the Savage Gentleman is dating one of the women wrestlers. I might think it might be Lady Frost. I'm not 100%. actually married to Lady Frost. And uh, it's not a secret on social media, but they haven't really acknowledged that in the NWA. And, I mean, they don't necessarily need to. It doesn't really add anything to storyline. But, um, yeah, she they are married. And that might have been his in, but... Uh, you know, tonight on Impact, Lady Frost was wrestling against our old pal Kimberly, and uh, I think she's actually on the roster now for Impact. So I don't even know if we're going to be seeing Lady Frost back in the NWA anytime soon. I, th- I think they're sharing talent now, though, so that may or may not be. Um, so it's possible. I mean, there's a lot of talent that Impact could benefit in the nwa because there's a lot of people that if used properly could make a big impact anywhere the only problem is is can can the nwa use somebody properly well something we totally could be seeing so next up we get our uh, good pal may valentine speaking with strictly business and um you know it, it was almost one of those celebration moments where Hey, you know, you guys won your matches. Congratulations, uh, Chris Adonis. Congratulations, congratulations, Camille. Oh, hey, Tom, you didn't win. Tell me how you feel about that. And uh, it seems like uh, Latimer was very happy with the moral victory that, you know, hey, I walked out on my own, but uh, Nick needed to be helped out of the ring. We, we said this a couple months ago. Uh, Kevin specifically said it, that May Valentine is, is kind of like the hidden uh, – you know, they, I don't want to say idiot savant, but kind of like that where you don't think that she's going to hit you with a hard-hitting question, then boom. She she pull, pulls out Tom and says, you lost. Tell me how that feels. And uh, it was a, it was kind of a little awkward moment I thought was good for television. And Tom had to explain how he had that moral victory. I thought this was a good interview segment. Um, I don't have any, much more to say on that. DK, what do you got? Oh, I loved it. May what I like about May is she kind of asks the questions as we would ask them if we were given the chance as a fan. So, Tom, you lost. You're the two companions won, but you lost. How does that make you feel? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, I, I enjoyed that. And so, and, and I think the NWA might be doing one of those confident storylines where Tom Latimer is concerned. And I get that because the next match up was Tom Latimer versus Robles. Robles. We'll get to Miguel Robles momentarily, but before that, uh, we get Kyle Davis back at the announce uh, at the at the uh, podium, um, and he's there with our pal, the the Dane event, Jack Dane, who you know is dead set on getting his revenge against the Mims, the Mims, getting revenge against Mims because that loss at the pay-per-view affected him. And now he wants to make sure that he can prove that he is the dominant wrestler. He says he is. So he went to Billy Corgan and offered up his championship series, golden ticket opportunity. And, uh, and so, so he was setting the table there that uh, Mims and Jax will be wrestling later in the night with that championship series uh, victory on the line. Uh, wasn't, that the, wasn't that the opportunity that, 
Corgan said he forfeited when he walked away from that tag team. Apparently, that was just all a dream, and Jr. was still fine. So, uh, moving um, right. Okay, uh, just curious. Uh, now that takes us to Tom back of the ring with uh, up and comer Miguel Robles, who, uh, interestingly enough, you know, in, in a callback to the night show before, uh, literally did the same move that Nick Aldis did to steal the victory, uh, where he did that reversal to the power bomb. Um, and, uh, I thought that was great. Um, just to kind of put that out there. Uh, the match was mostly, uh, Tom sky is uh, velvet sky still calling Tom Bram, which I, I find problematic. Uh, I felt like this match went way too long. I mean, I'm glad that we're getting wrestling, but this should have been a squash match. This match should have been over in less than two minutes. And uh, Robo has gotten way too much offense for my liking. Uh, but Latimer wins with a pile driver. DK, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I understand your feelings about that. And I'm kind of the same. But just kind of with the way he just kind of stormed out, out of the ring and to the back unhappy. That's where I'm getting the idea that maybe just maybe this is uh you know not this might be more storyline thing you know you know he's the only one that lost he struggled against this guy you know does he need therapy i don't know i'm not saying that is the storyline i'm giving the nwa a little bit of leeway here and saying that it could be the storyline if anyone was at the shows and knows uh you know message me i love spoilers and uh i don't i mean it was what it was didn't hate it you know dk i really like the spoiler too but he wasn't my favorite mass wrestler <laughs> that superstar was my favorite mass wrestler who was mass uh Mass superstar, Billy. Really? Man, he yeah. demolished his opponents. Yeah. He sure did. He As if he was hitting them with an axe. Um, up next, we get the the team Taryn Terrell explodes when Paola Blaze takes on Genocide. Now, this matchup uh, was kind of an interesting story because the only one that seemed to want this match was Genocide. Uh, Taryn Terrell kept egging Genocide on and saying, hey, uh, we don't need this. We don't Let's work things out. Paola Blaze kept saying over and over and over again how she did not want to wrestle Genocide. And, uh, I mean, there, there's no, there's no uh, question why. Genocide is uh, one, of the, the, one of the beasts of the women's division. She's just such a strong athlete. She's got power. She's got size. And uh, this match, again, I felt like much like the last match went way too long. Um, and I do love I, I love getting matches and I love seeing more wrestling. I just feel like if you're going to put Paola Blaze, who is very, very green in the ring with genocide, um, she should just get crushed. And for the most part, she spent uh, a lot of the match running away from genocide. But at the end, uh, I feel like she still got too much offense in. Genocide wins uh, with her with that finishing maneuver. Um, the entire time, Taryn Terrell kept 
saying, hey, we could use her, we could use her. But uh, it seems like at this point, at least for now, that the tag team is a, a done deal. DK, what did well, you think of that match? Real quick, before DK gives his opinion, it's nice the NWA does something different and has a faction uh, have some kind of dissension. That's new with the NWA, right? <laughs> Very. Uh, more proof that the NWA loves tag teams. Uh, I didn't get this one. In isolation, the match is fine. And this is one of those things where we'll say a lot. You know, in isolation, if you're not doing anything, the match is fine. Both of them are pretty green. But, you know, it was fine. I didn't mind that it wasn't a squash. I mean, Blaze is you know, was just her partner. And, you know, there should have been some idea that she was worthy of being a team that was part of a tag team challenge. So I, I didn't need it to be a squash, but I, they didn't fully explain why it was taking place. And then at the show, and uh, remind me, was Blaze the one that took the pin and the disappeared? No, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> was Blaze the one that took the pin in the tag match? Yes. That, that's that's what I was thinking. So I'm guessing Genocide is blaming her for the loss. But the way it was presented on the pay-per-view was basically like Taryn Terrell was the one that came up with the idea that Genocide needed to cash in her thing for the tag oh my gosh for the tag team title and uh but on the show they were making it sound like uh you know blaze was trying to tell genocide no you know you don't want to cash it in on the tag team thing you know you want to wait and you know cash it in at some other point on camille or whatever and so uh I was left confused, and again, I was like, who's supposed to be the face? Who's supposed to be the heel? They were kind of making it sound like genocide was the one that was causing the problems, doing stuff like that. But again, in kind of that Camille type thing, the fans are going to like genocide more than they like Blaze because genocide's big and has that, you know, comes across like she could be a badass. The Sid Vicious factor is what I like to call it. I mean, absolutely. That's a great yeah. call. I mean, I mean, you got it right. They, they don't book genocide well in matches. She, she does seem to wrestle, and she can wrestle, but like, you know, uh, our dear beloved Kevin says, that's not her gimmick, you know? And so, uh, the, the fans are going to like her as a big strong powerful woman who took Camille to the limit and had to be put away with two spears and everything and I, I don't I didn't get what they're trying to do here other than to implode a tag team a tag well, team that was bare, a tag team that was barely a tag team 
That's what the NWA does. They uh, put people together so they can just separate them. You know, All Japan Pro Wrestling had two tag team champions, the All Asian Tag Team Championship and the Doubles Tag Team titles. The All Asian Tag Team Champions were for actual tag teams to wrestle each other. The All Asian Tag, I'm sorry, the uh, Double Tag Team titles, they were for singles wrestlers who weren't in the in the Triple Crown picture. So they put a bunch of singles wrestlers together, and it was to push singles wrestlers. The NWA might think about just start doing that if they're going to keep splitting up tag teams. That way, it doesn't matter if the uh, the champions, you know, when they lose the belt, they split up because they're going to be wrestling each other in, in the singles match somewhere down the line anyway. And uh, also, I like that we had a little cameo with Ultimo Avocado, you know, showing up. <laughs> That was kind of neat. Uh, somebody wants to see him versus Scion. I'll, I'll pay to see that. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I think the reason why they did that with Genocide and Paola is because they were uh, they realized that they need more uh, serious competitors for the women's championship because in-house, they keep putting all these women together as tag teams, but you're you're slowly diminishing the, the singles competitors in the NWA because, I mean, how many times – can we legitimately see uh, Kenzie Page challenge for the women's championship? I mean, it's happened like two times too many. So I think having a genocide as a solo wrestler or perhaps maybe down the road, Lady Fox or even Natalia Markova. Um, I think it's a good idea to have some uh, delineation between the tag teams and the singles wrestlers. And I think this was just the exclamation point they needed to show you that, Hey, we're, we're going to push genocide as a singles wrestler from now on. I hey, I have a question for our chat people. Yeah. So, chat people, tell me something. For all the titles within NWA only, only wrestlers that have been wrestling there for the NWA, who are the top contenders for any of the titles? <laughs> and on the world title, you can't say Aldis and you can't say Pope. Because they both said that they have no interest in challenging for it because the NWA is stupid. Yes. How do you, why would you ever say that the most prestigious, biggest championship in the world, you're not interested in? That's like saying you're not interested in getting a blowjob. Can't say that. You sure you can. You can't have sexual innuendo. There's a difference. That was no innuendo at all. That was straight up. But uh, yeah, that's like saying, that's like saying you don't want a million dollars, okay? That's a, that's a better analogy. Thank you. Yeah. That's what it's like, though. To say you don't want the biggest, most important championship in the company and the world and the most historic championship of all time. Oh, no, I don't want that. I want uh, I want to get kicked in the nuts instead. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, I'm a bit, you're, I'm you're certainly bringing here. up a good point. I'm only I, bringing I'm up a good point. Name I'm many a people. TV title's about the only one. As I could say, Pope, but you know, might still have some hard feelings towards Tyrus, and maybe he wants a TV title back. But I mean, Trevor Murdoch, nobody. I mean, well, you could you could maybe say Jack Stain because he still has that clause. He still has that. But look how they're booking him. Sure. I mean, what about what about um, uh, Zach Ryder? What's his real name? Uh, Matt Cordona. Matt Cordona. Is he being pushed as the next challenger? Is he at least getting, you know, put in line to make a credible challenger? Or they just bring him out for a surprise and then here he is. Yay. 
No, he's he was at the tapings, and they have him with Mike Knox because I've seen the pictures. So I don't really know what the thing is. But again, here's somebody who's kind of – and look, I have nothing against uh, Cordona, but, you know, it's a symptom of what I'm talking about. There was nobody in the NWA you're ready to feed to Murdoch. So, you know, well, let's go out. Let's get Cardona. Let's bring him in. You know, he's got name value, blah, blah, blah. So w- there was nobody else. Jack Stain, we talked about, well, sure, if you book him right, but you're not booking him right. Uh, no, the tag teams, they're – Again, they've thrown together a tag team in JTG and Dirty Dango to kind of do it. And we're going to talk about another tag team and maybe some of the problems there. Uh, We look at uh, the national title. I don't know really that there's anybody right now for the national title. Title A. Now, Now, I will say this. We haven't talked about it yet. But they did say this on the show, that the national title will probably be the focus title, feature title, that's the word they use, in NWA USA. So, okay, national uh, USA makes sense, I guess. In a yeah, way. so I mean, we'll, 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 you know, I'll give them a chance with that show and see how they're doing using it. But, you know, again, right now I can't go, hey, you know, here's somebody who I think should be challenging for that championship. Well, and so, so our, I certainly power- can't think of a woman for challenge for Camille. No, and right now they don't have one. Our pal uh, Dave Scooby, who was at the tapings celebrating his birthday, happy birthday, Mr. Scooby. Uh, he was there, and he said that yes, Matt Cordona. The answer is yes. So, uh, as someone who's going to be put in that position, um, Matt Cordona is the guy now. We know he's not going to be uh, Trevor's next title defense because that was announced yesterday that Trevor will, will be wrestling Gangrel at the the um, Love uh, Live charity uh, show that happens in Jacksonville, Florida on January the 8th. Now, we know those are going to be taped for uh, for the NWA um, consumption, whether it be on, on, on the power time slot on, uh, on Fight TV or on YouTube. We don't really know yet, but... Um, we do know that those will be taped. We'll be able to see those matches. But uh, Gangrel, to me, isn't the answer. But, again, it's also a charity show, so I get why the, uh, you know, maybe they're calling in favors as opposed to booking somebody like Matt Cordona, who's going to be a lot more expensive to book than, say, uh, Gangrel. But Gangrel's also kind of – he's got his own strange popularity thing. Sure. I mean, for that for that type of show, I think he's a he's a fine challenger. This is where it's, not having affiliates is really hurting the NWA. Because you know what? Gangrel is a good affiliate challenger for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. It's a good win with over a name. Um, is he as relevant as he used to be? Is he as a biggest star as he used to be? Uh, no, but I don't know, that, that, could, that could be fixed and rectified if they had somebody who knew what they were doing. But he's a good affiliate or um, associate member, or whatever they were calling him back in the day. I, I, you know, fast Dr. Zirconium. That's good. It, it's a good win for him. And if he gets a bunch of them, if he was wrestling in Jackson, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and Memphis, Tennessee, and 
uh, Wildwood, New Jersey, or whatever it happens to be, then they could have a, a a bunch of matches and have him beat a bunch of people, and that will actually maybe make Trevor Murdoch seem bigger and better because he's defending against all kinds of challengers. But right now, the way they're doing it, it's a lot less important in my opinion. Yeah, and and the thing is, like with these shows, these live taped live events that are being uh, broadcasted on Fight, uh, we know that the connection to the NWA, it's there, but it's also not a genuine NWA show. Um, a lot of times we're seeing faces that aren't haven't been connected to that brand. But this is, I think, is the first time that we're seeing uh, somebody in that world title picture who they didn't they didn't slot in. Now Attila Khan and S uh, what is it uh, South Chicago Independent Wrestling SCIW, um, you know that wasn't televised. That wasn't a uh, a, a power match. That wasn't an NWA match. And I get how that makes sense for the St. Louis crowd. But now that we're here and, and we're in Jacksonville, Florida, and this is being billed as an NWA show, uh, I don't feel like this was a good um, good choice. But I, at the same time, too, you, I do feel like they're trying to um, pop that local audience and not go too far into deficit to do it because it is a charity show. Um, you know, our pal over here, Guardian, is, Guardian of Chaos, says there's plenty of talent out on the indies and that the NWA should be pursuing uh, new blood and younger talent. And, and I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, but again, this is also a charity show. So th- I, I kind of go back and forth because I, I know when, uh, if this was by any means necessary, um, you know, I, I feel like you had to go with a big name to put in that matchup. Uh, so I don't know. I, I guess I'm just... Uh, well, it's- you know, look, Gangrel wrestled here for SWE, and the crowds loved him. He's got a following. He's like, no, no one expects him to win. But that's, you know, the problem with, you know, young guys and stuff like that. Oh, you know, get the young, fresh talent in here. People don't know them either. That's true. And, that, and then they've got, so, so if you're, tra- exactly. I mean, you're trying to sell tickets for a charity event. And I almost promise you Gangrel will sell as many as Cardona would. Yeah. I mean, sorry, but and not and, like Cardano was not like Cardano was ever a top star anywhere. And and you have to point out too that this is in Jacksonville, Florida, and we know. I mean, go to Cage Match. You could see that Gangrel basically is wrestling in Florida, like on a pretty consistent basis. He's had about uh, twenty matches this year, and the majority of them took place in uh, in Florida. So I, home state. I assume he lives there. Yeah, I assume so too. But I think he lives in California, but Florida's home for him still. Well, I mean, home is where you're getting booked, right? And if he's, you know, wrestling predominantly in Florida, then he's a Florida talent. So that I mean, that it's not my choice, um, and it that would not have been my choice, but. It, I could see why they went that route, and I think they could still they could still do something with it. Uh, and and it's not like Gangrel can't have a good match. I'm not saying that. Um, I'm just saying, you know, I think I I kind of agree with the Guardian of Chaos over here, where I think if they had some fresher blood ready to go, that I'd rather see a Jack Stain versus Trevor Murdoch match, or I'd rather see that next up and comer. Um, I'm kind of surprised it's not Pope, but uh, maybe he doesn't want to be the star of the show that he's promoting. I'm not sure. 
you know, that's actually wise because, you know, a lot of people would put themselves in the biggest thing. But then he has to put himself to lose or at least win by disqualification, which does nobody a favor. Right. Um, but again, this is this is, you know what? Gangrel will sell tickets. And here's the thing with wrestling promotions. You need a mix. You need a mix of young talent and veterans with name value to actually build that up there. Um, but the problem is the NWA doesn't show any ability to really promote young talent who is not an impact wrestler or a WWE wrestler or a ring of honor wrestler or somewhere that somebody else built up who other than who other than in somewhat Jack's Dane, who is really been built up right to be considered a major superstar in the NWA that wasn't already some somebody somewhere else. No, I mean, that's a good point too. They're, they didn't, they didn't, didn't do it at the end. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, the way this whole thing got started was the fact that I'm asking who in the NWA is a challenger, you know, is a legitimate challenger. Who's the NWA building up? And the answer is nobody. In the and NWA so, past, Bookie, Dusty Rhodes was known for many problems in his booking style. But one thing he did really, really well is the NWA World Heavyweight Champion had like nine successful, legitimate challengers. Ric Flair had... Ron Garvin, Dusty Rose, Nikita Koloff, Barry Windham, Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal, uh, Steve Dr. Death Williams. Uh, he had a bunch of people that in any one of them, and he wrestled against somebody different usually during that period of the NWA. The, the big push on the clash or the uh, Great American Bash for one year was like 18 events with 18 different challengers. You know, and they did a good job making every one of those 18 challengers somebody that you wanted to see Ric Flair against. They drew a huge crowd with Robert Gibson versus Ric Flair. Now, nobody would probably expect Robert Gibson to beat Ric Flair, but they made him whether people wanted to see the match. The NWA doesn't build one challenger, let alone a bunch. If Again, Gangrel wouldn't be such a bad idea if they had multiple challengers set up and he was just one of them. Yeah. Then, all right, he's a challenger. That's one of the many potential challengers for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. They should have, say, Gangrel and Tom Latimer and Pope and uh, Odinson and um, Knox and Cordona and maybe all these people built up. So every one of them is a potential challenger. And then you never, any, if you put any one of them in there for any reason, then it has a reason to happen. But they haven't done it for one, let alone a 20 or five or two, even. No, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that uh, that, again, is part of the problem with the modern day NWA in that it is one promotion, one show. I mean, soon to be two shows. And there's limited amount of time to tell all the stories. And again, that's probably... Uh, the, another reason why maybe the more titles is a bad thing and they should have maybe just focused on the 10 pounds of gold and one other additional singles title instead of two. And now we're about to have three. So let's, hey, let's go. I, 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 I got, I got to respond to something here in the chat and I know Jane will respond to it too. Sean Mega asked, was Ron Garvin legit? Dude, oh. I'm about to go off on you. <laughs> yeah, see, Ron this is Garvin, Omega. Ron, Ron Garvin was booked terribly by Dusty Rhodes as NWA champion, which led to a falling out between those two gentlemen, which caused Ron Garvin to quit. First of all, in real life, Ron Garvin could have beat any of them. 
He was a legit stretcher. He was a legit shooter. He beat people severely. Like Rick Road Flair Warrior Hawk. He stretched Road Warrior Hawk right before he, Road Warrior had to go out and wrestle. <laughs> right. Yes. It, for fun. Right? For fun. Yeah. Hawk was in the back and he would charge a Garvin in the dressing room and Garvin would catch him, snatch him, and stretch him. He took him down every time. And then all of a sudden they heard the Iron Man theme playing. He was supposed to go out and wrestle Ric Flair and he was blown up. And yeah, Sean, real life, he was a legit challenger. You know why? Because you're still thinking about how the bad booking is, and that left a, pre- a, a bad message out. Ron Garvin, in his prime, when he was wrestling in the NWA and as a challenger, people really, really dug into him. When he won the world title, it was over huge. Unfortunately, they shit the bed afterwards and made it so he became a joke as a champion. Bad booking and, and bad everything else. But when he was a challenger, people were cheering for Ron Garvin when he was wrestling against him in, in South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, uh, Georgia, wherever Ron Garvin was selling out with Ric Flair. Cause people wanted to see that match. They thought he seemed legitimate. He looked legit. He was a crappy promo, but his persona and his attitude and it's just the way he wrestled. People thought he was going to kick somebody's ass and anybody's ass. Uh, so he was a legitimate challenger. You're in revisionist history now because you're dealing with all this bad stuff. You you have that one memory. It's kind of like that one high spot. People don't remember the match one time. They remember the high spot. Well, unfortunately, that high spot for Ron Garvin was a low spot. And that's it's it's just put a, a damper on his entire career. And yeah, his run in WWE didn't help. You say you're not talking real life, but real life factors into this, which is believability. And Garvin was. He was an over over guy can i can i just say one thing no because you're talking thanks <laughs> your show jay cal but you can't say a damn word uh that's right i remember uh really being into ronnie garvin but i remember when they brought him into the whole equation uh in that title match i mean wasn't he in drag and trying to pick up rick flair like could you guys did someone verify that for me or is this just a yeah, they did the all Atlanta Lively thing twice, and you know he's probably the only wrestler who can get over like that in drag. But it was it was a stupid angle to do the second time. It wasn't even that good of an angle to do the first time, but he knocked Ric Flair out right in the hotel room. Well, was, no, the they, second time made more sense. The yeah, first that time, is true. First time they never acknowledged it was Ronnie Garvin. The second time, what happened was Ric Flair won a date with Precious. That's right. And so he was all getting ready and things like that. And Miss Atlanta Lively walked in, knocked him out, and then took the wig off. And that was the first time they acknowledged that Ron Garvin was Miss Atlanta Lively. He had been injured and taken off TV. And that's when they brought him in as Miss Atlanta Lively team with uh, Boogie Jimmy Woogie. Jimmy Valiant. Yeah. Boogie Woogie and uh, Team Against the Midnight Express. Okay. So, I mean, that's a great, that was a great conversation and that was very interesting, but I would like to get back to power because we don't like to go over two hours on the show and we've only got about 30 minutes left. So uh, let's get to it. The next matchup or the next uh, segment was our pal Mae Valentine in the back with team hex, La Rebellion and homicide. Um, again, this is kind of like a, a, a homage to what they were doing that, that first night back in St. Louis uh, after the 73rd pay-per-view where they just brought out all the winners. And let's talk. It, it's kind of chaotic, kind of confusing. 
doesn't make sense. And I think more or less a waste of time. Uh, Homicide flat out said, eh, I don't really want to talk. I don't know why I'm here. And then, and then Mecha Wolf in Spanish says, you know, this is guy's going to be the next junior heavyweight champion. Then puts himself over with uh, Bestia as the, a great tag team. And then he so kindly puts over team X, but outside of the fact that they are all won their matches, this promo didn't make a lot of sense to me. DK, what, what did you feel about it? Well, I, my jaw dropped to the ground when Homicide was basically almost like, what, you're expecting me to talk? <laughs> I mean, it was just like, I I almost don't know. And this, uh, I'm going to go a little Kevin Frazier on us. Uh, can you guys not redo this? Can you not refute it? Is there not someone yelling cut in the back? Let's start over. I mean, that that did not come across well at all. No, it was it was uh, it was one of those deals where I think my battery just died. It was one of those deals. It was one of those deals that didn't make sense. And like you said, why not just recut it? Why not redo it? Um, but maybe they were short on time. Um, I would rather them just do multiple segments and mix that in between shorter matches between uh, 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 Genocide and Paola and uh, Miguel Robles and Tom Latimer. Hey, question for anybody at taping. I think one of the people was, if I remember correctly. Are those things, can the crowd see those interviews? Or are they truly in the back? Hey, Dave, Scooby, if you're still in the house, do you guys see those? I, I remember when I was there live for the first, very first tapings, we didn't see those. They were all done in the back. But uh, Because if it was done in the back, there's not an excuse not to have redone that. Yeah. Uh, Terry McDermott has a good suggestion. Maybe they're introducing them as a new faction. Because, you know, that means they'll break up next in like two months, right? <laughs> or less. Two, two Start shooting each other with the Hex versus La Rebellion. That's just that's totally with tradition right there. And uh, so then after that, uh, after that segment, that brief segment, um, we get uh, Tyrus uh, with Kyle Davis at the podium and the entitled Idol Sports Management Group, which is Black G's, Austin Idols, Jordan Clearwater. Um, and it's kind of like a celebration speech. They're all excited. And Kyle's like, hey, I've got a swerve for you. Sion wants to come out here and thank you. Uh, oh, real quick, before we go on, Dave Scooby says, no, those are done backstage. Unless they're in the ring or at the podium, we don't hear or see it. So now you now you know. Thanks, Dave. Um, Lucky you, Dave. <laughs> uh, so Cyan comes out and basically says that he wants to thank Tyrus for helping him get a lesson in violence and, and helping him, making him more of a man, uh, making him tougher. Because his championship, NWA championship father, wasn't there for that. Which leads us to think, okay, who the heck is his pops? Um, and it, with world champions, I kind of did this with uh, with uh, somebody offline. It might have been you, DK. No, it was somebody else. And we're trying to think, well, who could this possibly be? Because for NWA world champions, right? Like, if we go back 20 years... You know, it's it's obviously not Adam Pierce. It's not Brent Albright. It's not Blue. Well, maybe Blue Demon Jr. Probably not Blue Demon Jr. Uh, so we go back a further era, maybe like the TNA era. It's not AJ Styles. It's not. Uh, I mean, maybe Rhino. Uh, it's not Ron Killings. I mean, I don't think. Um, 
maybe Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> maybe Mike Rapata. Um, but outside, I mean, it, that's it. It's Mike Rapata. I mean, Mike Rapata would make a lot of sense, wouldn't he? Mike Rapata. I would say he didn't make sense as champion. Why would he make sense in this? Uh... Well, Burt Prentice isn't alive anymore, so let's move on. Um, so that that was basically that, and and he asked for another uh, championship match, and and Tyre said that he would consider it after Tyre said that he looks familiar to him, and he said that before, but again, it's like, uh, who does he look like? Uh, Tommy Rich. Guys... He's Tommy Rich's son. Holy He's got crap. the wildfire. You just cracked the egg, Jaden. I think you're right. It's Tommy Rich. I mean, Raven is a part of the broadcasting team for NWA USA, so that was my next guess. But uh, Tommy Rich, I mean, I think you just nailed it. Yeah, what about Raven? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Uh, next up, we got Kyle back at the podium with Aldis. And this is this. Okay, now this one raked my, uh, you know, got my gears going because they said, they spent all show announcing that the British invasion would be taken on Hawk Ari in the main event. But then you have Nick Aldis come out with his, with his wife. They're a house of winners. They're a house of champions. And he says that he had enough of uh, being world champion. Now he wants to be tag team champion. When he wants a world champion, he'll go back and get it. But in the meantime, he brings out his old pal from uh, the British invasion, uh, 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 Doug Williams, and again, this is like tease, like this big thing, but it's it really isn't. And, and and the weird thing about it is, this is another TNA retread. We've already seen this from TNA, and now TNA stories are are continuity in the NWA. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's the uh, NWA cinematic universe right now. It's just unfortunately, instead of book like the Marvel cinematic universe, it's more like book like the DC cinematic universe. So that's why it makes it. That's how you have to think about it. And you know what? I do like Doug Williams. He's awesome. Yeah, I actually kind of like him teaming up with uh, with Aldis because they can be a really good tag team. He's a very good wrestler, and um, so that might be something. But again, it's you have to pay attention to what's on with TNA and pay attention to what's Ring of Honor and pay attention what's on AEW to have any idea what's going on in. NWA. And, and I'll be honest, I like Doug Williams too. I like the pairing. Um, I'm fine with all of that. I don't like the way it was presented as like, hey, let's ask him if he wants to do this when they've been billing it the entire show. And then the other part I don't like about it is it, it, everyone's so excited. Oh, it, we got the British invasion again. But like, again, like you said, if I'm tuning into the NWA, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch the British Invasion. I didn't watch Impact Wrestling back then. My introduction to Magnus was the talent of his run in the, uh, you know, Ring Ka King and Impact. So I didn't see the British Invasion when it first happened. So th this was all new to me. So when, when I see uh, the British Invasion as an NWA fan, as someone who's followed that brand for, you know, the last 30 years extremely close... This was all. This was fresh to me. So the 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 way they treated it is like this was like a an NWA thing. I wish. How could you differentiate that? Was it at least NWA TNA then? No. No. no this, was, this was completely devoid of the NWA. It had no connection at that point. 
Remember, the NWA and the Impact ended their relations in 2007. I think this tag team came to the United States in probably 2008, 2009. Maybe yeah, then the- it really grew. Then it really has no association with, association with the NWA. The AEW does the same thing. They assume that the core audience, which is probably true, knows everything that's going on. The problem is they don't know how to build beyond the core audience. The NWA's core audience is even smaller. So, yes, they may know what's going on with uh, with AEW and Impact and Ring of Honor and all the other stuff, but they have to start promoting to people who don't know who these people are and get them on board. That's how you have to do it. At least maybe a package. If you're friends with Impact, maybe show a package of what happened. Understand some videos, some from some photos from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Do something to make it seem and give it a reason to happen and, and explain it. You know, you just can't assume everybody knows because the people that do know are already there. It's not the object to keep the ones that are there. It's the ones that get new ones, the objects that get new fans. And, and real quick, British Invasion had their first match in Impact against, uh, uh, it was a two-on-one handicap match against Homicide in Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida, uh, April 22nd, 2009. So the NWA had been separated from Impact for almost two years at that point. Just, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Our good friend uh, Paul Jump just said, you have to assume that the audience has no idea who anyone is. And uh, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they just need to book names all of a sudden and then people are going to come, right, Paul Jump? (laughs) For you guys who don't know, because I don't want to be guilty of what the NWA does, Paul Jump is running a successful wrestling promotion in Australia. I think the three of us are very proud of what he's doing out there. Uh, we used to give him a hard time on the old Alliance uh, wrestling forums because, uh, you know, oftentimes he would criticize the NWA and had his own way of doing things. And we said, well, hey, Paul Jump, if you think you know it, I'll go and do it. Well, he's doing it. So I do I do tip my cap to him because uh, he's growing this, this promotion, All-Star Wrestling Australia. And uh, I'm proud of him. I don't know if you guys are, but I, I'm very proud of the work that he's doing out there. Uh, but I, uh, I don't want to be guilty of uh, what uh, what the NWA is doing and not talk about it. Just like uh, the NWA, if you want to know what's going on at the uh, in this podcast, you have to jo- go to alliance-wrestling.com and then join the forum so you have any idea what's going on and all my inside jokes. But, yes, I am <laughs> proud of him because you know why? He's putting his money where his mouth is. And yeah. that's something I told him to do, and he's doing it. So I'm very proud of him, and he's learning that – it isn't as easy as just putting matches together and stuff like that. You have to have a reason to build a crowd. Yeah, I think we would all agree, including him, that he learned some lessons along the way that things that he said would be easy just, you know, ain't nothing easy. Nothing ain't easy. Pimping ain't even easy. <laughs> for you, for me, all right, let's, yeah, let's... Uh, I don't know. Look, Nick Aldis, Doug Williams. Nick Aldis said something I hated in the show, which was, again, if I wanted to go after that world title, it would be mine. Or whenever I wanted to go after that world title, it would be mine. But now I'd rather team with some 50-year-old guy and try and win the tag team championship. But, uh... Well, he never, won, he, never, he never won the tag titles before, so it would be a new endeavor for him. Um, and, and 
to their credit, I mean, again, I, I'm not trying to poo-poo on the tag team because I really think that they uh, have something interesting. And, you know, going into the Crockett Cup, uh, remember back in 2019, Aldis uh, wanted to enter the Crockett Cup with uh, Marty Skrull as a tag team. And Marty wanted to challenge for the world's title. So, it, yeah, exactly. it's been Aldis's goal or, or desire to be a part of the Crockett Cup. So, um, you know, and somebody indicated here in the chat, I don't remember who it was, but um, more than likely we're going to get a Crockett Cup in early spring of 2022. Um, so it would make a lot of sense to have that tag team, the British Invasion, a part of it. And to their credit, their former Impact Tag Team Champions, their former IWGP Tag Team Champions. So it's they, they do have some credibility. I just don't like the way that they were introduced. I, I think they could have done a, that a better way. Um, you guys have anything else you want to add? March 19th in Nashville. They better not win the Cup. March 19th in Nashville. Make sure you get your travel. I'm actually planning uh, my travel arrangements to be – in Nashville, March 19th, because my wife has family there and uh, it's going to be a twofer. So, uh, okay. And uh, don't worry, Jaden, uh, tell Dr. Lawrence Arconium that Jay Cow will be in New Jersey at some point in 2022. Um, next up, we have uh, Crimson joining the commentary booth with uh, Joe Galley and Velvet Sky. Um, and the match is going to be Mims versus Dane with that. Uh, that caveat of the championship series on the line. Um, Dane, you know, was distracted by Crimson Mayweather a lot during the match. Um, and Mims did put in some good offense. Uh, again, I don't want to discredit Mims, but for me, Jack Zane is a guy that should be in that main event picture. And uh, Dane's, Dane punished Mims uh, a lot during that match on Anthony's behalf. And that finishing move, the pop the trunk, which is akin to a Steiner line, uh, put the W in the win column for Dane. DK, what did you think of that match? The match is funny. Big man <laughs> doing big man things. The psychology and putting the line sucked. First of all, one of Dane's supposed conditions or desires or requests was for. Uh, Mayweather not to be out there, Mayweather, whatever his name is. And, of course, he wasn't there ringside, but he was there one step from ringside in the commentary booth. He's like, well, we can't ban him from the booth. It's like, well, I probably should if he's not supposed to be out there, but, you know, let's not be logical. Let's not make sense. Let's not do anything like that. Okay, so now let's get back to Dane and Mims. So Mims got a pretty good victory over Dane. So, you know, this is your chance to build Mims, right? This is your chance to get him going and get him ready for maybe becoming a legitimate challenger to the TV title or a legitimate challenger to the national title. No, he gets beat up. <laughs> so now Mims is right back where he was beforehand, maybe maybe even lower. In a wrestling tournament, that's what they did. They cut his legs off. And yeah, like at the chest. And what? You know, I hate being this way because when I watched the show, I pretty much enjoyed the show. Yeah. But when you go back and you're trying to explain it to people and trying to explain the logic to it, 
it just makes you go, what the hell are they thinking? The NWA is really good that if you take matches in isolation, they're good. But when you try to fit them in their convoluted storyline, they have no idea what keep it simple shithead means. And it's... Uh, yeah. What was the next match? I think we broke DK. Or maybe the NWA broke DK. Yeah, I'm not taking ownership of that. That was the NWA that did that. Uh, next up, we have uh, Mae Valentine in the back with Hawk Ari. Um, you know, and, and I, I would, you know, we, we started the podcast by saying that Jay Cal is a big fan of PJ. I'm also a big fan of Luke Hawk. I, I really like this tag team. I like both competitors. And, uh, you know, they, they're having the opportunity to face British Invasion. Um, and, you know, again, I feel like this might match might have happened too soon. I, I think I would have rather seen a reunited British invasion against a tag team that didn't really have as much significance as a team like uh, Hawk Ari. It, you know, and I'm not saying I want to see uh, the ill-begotten sons back on TV anytime soon, but uh, maybe maybe this could have been a Jordan Clearwater versus, and uh, Black G's versus uh, the British invasion just because Hawk Ari is kind of in that Hawk Ari to me is a lot like the end that they're you only have a little bit more use out of them and then then they're not going to be a viable tag team anymore because you start looking at uh, the end and how they have lost so many big time matches well then you've got the same thing with with uh, Hawk Ari where they keep getting close 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 and then uh, it just never happens so then they lose to the British Empire but it was a very competitive match oh I'm jumped ahead there excuse me um, sorry guys. Uh, they're excited to face British Invasion. Uh, and then JTG and Dirty Dango make their appearance uh, in the back in the announce booth as basically saying that they want an opportunity to wrestle against British Invasion. And so it, it feels like maybe that tag team is uh, is looking like uh, they want to get their, their foot in the hole for the Crockett Cup. All right. There's a lot of dead air going on right now. Um, <laughs> DK, anything you want to add, Jaden? Anything you want to add? DK, I think, I think the thing that I want to add here is that I think Hawk, sorry, if they're not careful, they're going to ruin them, kind of like they've ruined some other tag teams. Well, that's just it. You got to have two makeshift guys as a tag team challenger, not the legitimate tag teams. Come on now, why would you have guys who team together and know how each other work, you know, and know how their their strengths and weaknesses and how to capitalize on that? Why would they win against two guys who, you know, un, well, at least all this in and uh, twenty years ago, and uh, Doug Williams have teamed in the past. But sure, but well, they would probably lose against guys who've never teamed together and don't know how to be a tag team and don't know have any tag team maneuvers or anything like that. Of course, that's that's logical wrestling, right? Uh, sure. Sarcasm, by the way, in case uh, my tone wasn't apparent. Is uh, next. <laughs> um, Matthew Underwood uh, sets up real quick. Uh, the Hardy Boys could be there too uh, with regards to the Crockett Cup. I mean, uh, a couple of people in the chat have said FTR should be there. Um, I mean, maybe. Uh, and, you know, Jeff was just released out of his WWE contract today. We should also point out that while we're talking about other wrestling promotions, Bandita won't be at the Ring of Honor uh, final, what is it, final battle this, this weekend. 
So they're going to crown a new Ring of Honor world champion to end the uh, show as it goes on hiatus for the next few months. Um, but maybe we'll talk about a little bit about that next week because I'm sure that will have some uh, NWA implications. Uh, we get back to Trevor, um, or uh, excuse me, we're back with Kyle, with Trevor Murdoch. And uh, Trevor comes out and says he's tired of people sneaking up on him, hitting him with a chair. That's to what DK said earlier, like the last two pay-per-views, he last two big events for the NWA. Trevor's been laid out in the, in the middle of the ring post-show. And then we get Aaron Stevens uh, back with the eyeliner, with the robe, um, basically in that heel persona that he's finally cracked, that his good friend Kratos has finally uh, brought him back to the other Aaron. I, this should have been done in the ring, not in a promo. Certainly not interrupting the world's heavyweight champion. Um, what do you have to add to that? Anything? Are they making him a challenger? I mean, it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a bad match. They have their history over the national title. Of course, Murdoch beat uh, beat Stevens for the national title. Uh, this has potential to go somewhere good, but it's a sub story to the outsiders. And I'm not talking about uh, Hall and Nash. Yeah. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. And oozing machismo. And uh, I that. I don't know. It's just, I just, and then just, and, you know, just, uh, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, look. If they take this opportunity to start making Murdoch look strong, I'll be happy. And I'll just leave it at that. I, I've actually liked Murdoch better as a world champion than I thought I would. I mean, I always wanted him to win the title. I just didn't know if I wanted him to be champion. I, 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 Those are different things. But, right. you know, I, I, I think he could be a successful champion if they would, you know, book him as a successful champion. I think my biggest problem with him as champion is, uh, like we've said already, that, that there's members of the roster that have acknowledged that they don't want to challenge him for the title. And they're the most obvious competitors, like the Pope, who was uh, damn near had the best of seven, that Lucky Seven series. Uh, he should have been the, the a challenge for Nick Aldis or Trevor Murdoch. And Nick Aldis says, point blank i'm gonna go do the tag team thing for now I'll, I'll get to the world title when i get to it so the two best guys that uh could challenge for that title you you neuter to them and taking them out of the picture which makes it seem like trevor murdoch you know uh as you guys are both boxing fans and i'm sure you know this that in, in boxing a lot of times that champion will face a lot of lesser known people to kind of build up that credibility and they'll face people who aren't exactly qualified uh, I think they call it protecting the champ. And that's what I feel like the NWA is doing here is they're protecting the champ by not letting him. Bum of the month. Huh? The bum of the month club. Joe, yeah. Yeah. Joe Lewis had a bum of the month. He defended well, the because, title against. And Joe Lewis is, uh, to, you know, to, to, to play the devil's advocate just because there was nobody really a challenger for Joe Lewis at the time anyway, but. They had defended the championship every month. No champion in boxing does that nowadays. So it gives you a chance to build up a challenger at least. Yeah. Uh, but the NWA could be doing building up challengers. You know, take a thing from boxing. Build up a challenger. Build up a whole bunch of challengers. Build up a top 10. 
and then say, you look, the champion gets paid more by defending against somebody higher in the top 10. A base champion will defend against the number one and number two contenders. The heel champion will defend against the number 10 contender. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so I got a question for you then. I got a question for you, for you guys. Uh, in between one of Adam Pierce's title reigns, I forget which one specifically, but uh, he did a lot of jobs. He basically lost every match he was in. He went around and put over local talent. Yeah. So that, you know, and then this builds up people because he was going to win back title. And, of course, now it's like, oh, well, they beat Adam Pierce. Now you got to. And, but I have a question. Where I wouldn't go to quite the extent that happened with Pierce, where he, I think he lost every match after he lost the title until he won it again. Uh, should Nick Aldis be putting over people at this point for a little bit? I don't think he should be putting people over to the same magnitude that Pierce was because that was after his third run as champion. Um, and that was, uh, no, excuse me, that was after his second run as champion. And I think the idea at the no time. No, third. No, it was, I think it was the second because uh, Blue Demon became champion. And then Pierce at that point was kind of transitioning out of the office or out of the uh, NWA and working for that Ring of Honor office. And he was doing The second was the short one. Right. Well, the, the, we don't need to get too much into it, but the third reign, uh, he ended that reign when Cabana beat him and he was injured, remember? Right. He didn't really defend the time. He didn't go on a losing streak after that, and there wasn't enough time between the fourth and fifth reign for him to do anything like that. So I think it was this after the second run. But well, the, uh, the second was just the, he won it from what's his name? Albright. Albright, and then lost it to Blue Demon like a month later. Yeah. And then went around and did the job, I think. I could be wrong. Um, anyways, yes, I think Aldis should be putting guys over. And if he were to put over somebody like uh, Tom Latimer, if Tom Latimer won that match at hard times, aren't we talking about Tom Latimer as being a potential challenge for the 10 pounds of gold? Yeah, and you know who should be putting over? Whoever the next guy in line for the championship is. The guy that they want to be next champion that's who we should be putting over. Well, it's a problem for next champion. That's that's the problem. Well, yeah. Well, I didn't say that was something they were going to do. I'm just saying that's what they should be doing. I mean, but I think, in other words, Stevens, Aaron Stevens, is somebody who challenged for the title as a face. Uh, could you put them in the ring together? How Stevens gets some kind of victory. It doesn't have to be the cleanest of victories, but it doesn't have to be a total screw job either. And then that propels him to a match with Murdoch. Yep. Yeah. Well, if they were building know, like up said, as. I... If Go they were ahead. building up Stevens as the credible challenger, yeah. If they're just building up Stevens to lose to Murdoch, you know, in a match that doesn't matter. And so, then, I mean, then he no. Was... DK, are you there? You're frozen. Let it snow. Let it snow. Oh, wrong frozen. <laughs> Jeez. DK, are you there? You're kind of frozen there for a minute. Oh, good. I thought, thought it was just me. <laughs> it, it is just you. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> can you hear can us? Can you see me? Hear me? We can kind of hear you, but Jay? you're frozen. 
Yay. I start calling you Elsa. All right. So let's, you know, I, I know that DK had uh, that question, and uh, I, I'd like to get to it, but he's uh, apparently frozen, and uh, we still have a show to do. So uh, while we wait for DK, maybe he can become unfrozen. Um, Somebody thaw DK out, please. Yeah, <laughs> thaw him out. Uh, the main event, oh, he's he's back. I don't know what happened, but I got out and came back in. Well, glad to have Can you. Hear me? Yeah, so let's let's go back to what you were saying uh, because everything that you said was frozen and we didn't hear what you said. So, well, basically, I just said, you know, if you, you know, if you're wanting to make Stevens a credible challenger, then shouldn't he, uh, you know, shouldn't that be somebody that could maybe get a win over uh, all this? And then we're, I was really kind of getting back to the disappointment in the match at the pay-per-view is that it wasn't a grudge match. It wasn't a, you know, kick the other's ass match. Uh, there was that stipulation about possible eight-week suspension if they got disqualified. Pretty clean match with a pretty clean finish, and it's over. Notice there's no talk right now about it, you know, those two again. And so, you know, all this has gone off to do his own thing. And I I feel if all this is still a major part of the company, that part of what he should be doing, I'm not saying he needs to lose every match. I'm not saying he should lose most matches. Hell, he should probably win 80, 90% of his matches. But it does seem like he should be putting people over to give them a credible spot to challenge for the world title. Not just, oh, I'm not worried about that and I'm not going to do it and I'm going to go play in a tag team where I don't have to be the one to take the pin. Ego, I'm sorry. I had something in my throat. <laughs> I, I mean, and let's be honest. Um, all this is kind of sidestepping doing that time on their tradition. You know, Tim Storm has been putting people over since he's lost the title. And it's, it's been a few years now, but he, you know, he put Jack Stane over, he put, uh, he put over, uh, you know, some of the matches that he's had. Um, I, I me, personally, me personally, I think that uh, all this should have been doing the job before that. And again, that's another a byproduct of the NWA is that, they do these tapings in such sporadic bursts that they don't let time for, they don't have time for things to marinate, which, you know, all this should have been on a losing streak before they reunited this tag team. He should have stepped away when he lost the title. We shouldn't have seen him on TV for weeks, but we saw him about every other week. Um, and that makes me feel like either Billy doesn't believe that the NWA can succeed without him, or I don't know, maybe he has compromising photos of William Patrick Corrigan because um, it just feels like come on he doesn't he doesn't need the victories like you know uh, the British invasion hadn't tag teamed uh, the last time they teamed together was in uh, I have it here in uh, 2017 when they when they wrestled in the UK they haven't even teamed together in the United States in probably uh, since 2014 2011 so 
you know, they, they come off the bat. They hadn't teamed in 10 years on, on uh, American soil. And they lose to a tag team that w- w- almost won the uh, tournament to crown a new number one contender for the tag titles. I just, uh, again, these things should have an opportunity to marinate. They should have an opportunity to, you know, all this should go on that losing streak and help put over some people, you know, put over Adonis, have him go after the national title and have Adonis win. That would actually make Adonis uh, have a little bit of flavor to him. It would have done something. You agree, disagree? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, let's start this off. I agree. I'm noticing that we're running at our two hour limit, so I don't want to say too much more, but that, I'm sorry, NWA, you can put on a good show, you can put on an entertaining show, but you don't put on a show that makes sense right now. Yeah, and uh, the main event, Hawkeye versus British, uh, British Invasion, the ambassador of British wrestling, the national treasure. It was a good it was a good tag team match. I mean, it was a good match. I was very happy with it. Doug Williams is great. I've never said anything bad about Aldous in the ring. He's a phenomenal athlete. Um, that's a big victory for the new tag team. Um, it came at the expense of Hawkari, which is unfortunate. But in the end, I you know, at some point I'm sure Hawkari will get that back, or maybe they take a break from teaming together and 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 pursue that junior heavyweight that uh, Joe Galley kept talking about. But um I don't want to keep us much longer either because it is two hours in and uh, you know, it, it, I know on the East coast it's getting late and I do want to say thanks to everyone for uh, tuning in tonight. And we do appreciate you guys being here. Jaden, we, we appreciate you filling in that third seat. Uh, of course, uh, Jaden is one of the original Alliance guys, so it's always a blast when he's here with us. Um, I was actually the second Alliance guy. DK is the third. Right. Absolutely. I just meant the original three of us. Uh, uh, Dave Scooby said uh, Williams can still go for a guy who's almost 50. I mean, his wrestling style, it really does uh, lend itself to uh, sustainability. He's not out there doing crazy dives and flips. Um, Jaden, what do you have to plug before we go? Absolutely nothing, really. I mean, unless you want to go all the way to February, where the next dog event is Saturday night, February 26th at the Max Fit Sports Center, located at 240 Delcy Drive South in beautiful uptown Glassboro, New Jersey. The main event is going to be Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators heavyweight champion Ray Jazz defending against the guy who's never lost it, the former champion Ray Moran. But unless you want to go that far, I have really nothing to promote. <laughs> DK, what do you have to promote? What's happening with IWHE? IWHE? I don't even know who they are. Uh, for the fans that don't know, uh, I, IHWE. Oh, sorry. That's close. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah, close. At least you didn't you throw an ad in there. You, you got a few. Uh, they're going to be, after taking a couple of year hiatus, they're going to be making a comeback in Fort Worth, Texas on WrestleMania weekend. So I believe there's going to start being some big announcements made in January. So stay tuned and we'll tell you all about them. Um, I have nothing to plug except for the YouTube channel. We are getting ever so close to that 1,000 subscriber mark. Now, when we hit 1,000, our good friend at NWA Gold is going to be giving away a replica championship of the crown title, the NWA crown championship. And that crown title is uh, the replica of the championship that Harley Race held, that Gene Kaninsky held, that Jack Briscoe held. Um, and it's a it's a phenomenal looking championship belt. If uh, Dory Funk Jr. too, I don't want to leave him out. If I had the opportunity, I would take that belt for myself. But unfortunately, 
me and the rest of the Alliance guys don't qualify for that, nor do our family members or close personal friends. But you well, correct. I'm quitting the Alliance guys right now so I can win it. Okay. So <laughs> but you guys here in the chat, you guys who are subscribed to the channel, you do qualify. So make sure uh, that you are uh, subscribed to the channel, like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. We also put this podcast up on uh, all podcasting services, and that's uh, Amazon, Apple, uh, Spotify. We're also now on Stitcher, so you can hear us just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you really like this channel and you really want to help support it, again, hit that subscribe button. If you want to support it financially, you can get cool hats like this or T-shirts that bear the same logo uh, at our merch store. And that merch link is in the description of the video. Um, but that's going to do it for us this week. Gentlemen, I do appreciate you being here. And everyone in the chat, thank you guys so much. Uh, we will be back here next Thursday, even though I'll be in Colorado. We'll still be doing this live. Yeah, it'll be high time for that show right here. Uh, all righty. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we are the Alliance, and we will see you at the matches.